You know, there was one Sunday in a Midwest church where a young child was acting up during morning worship hour, morning service. And this was the days before they had kids' church, and, uh, and they were, uh, all the kids were in the main service. And during the sermon, the kid was acting up, and the parents were all getting embarrassed, were trying their best to, uh, uh, to, to manage the child, but they were losing their battle. And finally, the father, he was so uh, uh, annoyed with, it, with, it, with his child that he picked his child up, and he, he exited out of the, out of the row, and uh, he went out to the back of the auditorium, and just as he's exiting out, at the back of the auditorium, the whole congregation heard the child say, pray for me, pray for me, because he knew he was going to get a spanking. You know, there was another occasion where there was a little girl who was being punished uh, because she'd done something wrong, and they made her eat uh, uh, at the dinner table all alone, and nobody spoke to her, nobody paid her attention. She had a bunch of greens on her plate, and her parents said, you've got to eat every one of those greens. And uh, uh, before you leave the table, and no one spoke to them. And so it was pretty tension at, dinner, at the dinner table one night uh, until the little girl said this. She started to pray. She says, dear Lord, I thank you for preparing me a table in the presence of my enemies. And there was one more time where there was a ship that was sinking. And the uh, captain didn't know what to do, and so he called out, does anybody know how to pray? And one guy got up and says, yes, I, I'm a Christian, I know how to pray. And uh, the captain turned to him and he says, well, you pray while the rest of us put our life jackets on because we are one short. You know, there's all kinds of different prayers that we do. But let's be honest, prayer, if we're to be honest this morning, is hard. Whether as an individual to pray, it is hard. As a church, when we come together to pray, it is hard. You know, churches, years ago, we used to have a weekly prayer meeting. And I'll be honest with you, we were in a very spiritual church. There was a lot of mature believers. But the prayer meeting was the least attended service of the week. I mean, there, there, was, there was more people who would go to everything else except for the prayer service. And I don't believe it is because we don't want to pray. If we're a, a believer of Jesus Christ, we know that we need to pray. And we know that prayer is essential to our lives. So I don't think prayer is something that we don't want to do. I think this morning, every, every one of us, if we were to be honest, we would like to pray more. But I think the problem is, in this day and age, is that, we, well, that prayer is, is a time when you stop, you be still, and then you wait for God. And let's be honest this morning. How many of you got ADD? Come on. I mean, like all of you. I know you have because, you know, you're like sitting in front of the TV and the commercials come on. You're flicking through all the channels and you can't stay on the same channel for a while. We live in an ADD culture. Uh, years ago, you know, people would just stay still and, and, and be fine. They could listen to a three-hour sermon. And if I was here talking for three hours, you would just drift up, walk out, and you would not like it. But we live in a culture where many people have ADD tendencies and... The thought of stopping, being still, and waiting, it's a nice thought, but you know it is so hard and almost impossible for you to do. You know, we live in a different culture than when the, the very first church came out. And we'll be reading in a minute from Acts 2, and it's talking about the very first church, the early believers. We live in a very different culture to them. 
Firstly, they didn't have drive-thrus. I mean, they didn't have drive-through fast food. They didn't have drive-through banks. They didn't have drive-through ATMs. They didn't have drive-through pharmacies. I mean, could you imagine how we would live if we did not have a drive-through? I mean, think how much time that would add to our lives. But they didn't have drive-throughs. You know, they didn't have TV. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have Facebook. Did you realize Facebook has not been around forever? It's like the last couple of, like, out of five years. They didn't have cell phones. Apple was not even invented. It was something that you eat, not something that you spend thousands of dollars and you cherish it like a baby. The 45-minute commute had not been discovered yet. In fact, these people in the very first church had very little. They valued three things, I believe. They valued family, they valued community, and they valued their faith. And being Jewish, because these early believers were Jewish, they were brought up memorizing prayer, memorizing the the scriptures, and they learned how to pray at an early age. And so obviously for them, it was much easier to stop, to be still, to wait while they prayed to God. The only problem is, is prayer wasn't just for them. Prayer is something that every one of us needs to have in our lives. We need a prayer life in our lives. And so it's essential today that we pray. And I'll be honest with you this morning. I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe that we don't see some of the things that they talk about in the Bible, some of the miracles and the signs and the incredible things that happen because... We just have an apathy to prayer. You know, how many of you find it hard to pray? Like, I'll put my hand up. I'm serious. Uh, Praying is hard. I think there's four things. Well, there's four things in my life anyway that stop me from praying. And you may be able to relate. The first one is just busyness, just plain busyness. When I go to pray... So often, I've so many different thoughts going through my mind about this needs to be done, that needs to be done, that I just can't concentrate and pray. The second thing that, that sometimes I, I believe that stops me from praying, and I'll be very honest with you t- today, is just a lack of faith. A lack of faith. The, the reason I say that is because many times, I know in my life, and I'm sure in your life, I haven't prayed because plainly, I just don't believe that that prayer is going to be answered. Could you imagine if you prayed and you just knew without a shadow of a doubt that God was going to answer that prayer? I guarantee that you would spend way more time on your knees in prayer than you would in front of the TV. But so often, I think we just don't pray because we don't believe that God will answer our prayers. The, 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 the third thing that, that stops me from praying is what we call My wife, Raquel, is a woman who has a lot of emergencies. I don't know what it is, but every time I, whether I'm going to sit in front of the TV, whether I'm going to drink a cup of tea, because I love tea, eat my dinner, or go to pray. I don't know what it is, Raquel always has an emergency. I'll sit down and she goes, honey, come here. And and I'll be like, I'm busy, you know, can't it wait? No, no, it's an emergency. And I'll go down and she's broken nail or something like that. Or she needs her nail varnish like unscrewed because 
you know, doesn't want to mess her nails up. But emergencies, have you noticed every time that you probably go to pray, there's probably something that comes up that needs to be handled straight away? Well, you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that emergencies with prayer turn out a whole lot better than emergencies without prayer. And so often that emergency can stop. But that kind of stops us from praying. And, and then the fourth thing for me that, that stops me from praying is that I just tend sometimes not to schedule prayer into my life. You know, when you schedule something, when you put something on your calendar, most often you're going to do it. But so often we forget to schedule like Bible reading or prayer on our calendar. And if we did that, I think it would help us pray more. So those are the things that that kind of stop me from praying. But there's also four things that help me to pray. And I think they would help you to pray as well. The first one is, is I always find if I read my Bible before I pray, it's amazing the clarity and the insight that you find and how God just speaks to you. And I encourage you, you know, if you're struggling praying, before you pray, just open your Bible, read a chapter, read a passage before you pray. It's amazing that the clarity that, that you'll find. Another thing that helps me is that even when I'm on my own, I like to pray out loud. Have you noticed if you like just sit and you just try to pray in your mind, like your mind clouds over and you start thinking of, I don't know, fast food and, you know, what's on TV and the Orioles got to the postseason, you know, I mean, you just start thinking, I'll be honest, I just start thinking of fantasy football, I mean, that's just me, but, uh, uh, but have you noticed that that happens? When I start to pray out loud, I realize that I start to concentrate more and I, and I can pray more and it's something that happens within me. Another thing that, that I find that helps is that I like to journal my prayers. I'm not a journal. I've never been that person that writes in my diary every day, this is what happened. But I found that journaling your prayers helps for two reasons. It helps you concentrate on what you're praying. But it also helps you in weeks and months later to look back on those prayers and realize, man, God does answer prayers. And I encourage you each to, to, to take some time, if you're praying, write those prayers down. And then go back to those prayers, maybe in three months, six months, and see how God has answered those prayers or how God has been working in those prayers. And then the, the, the fourth thing that helps me to pray, and I'm sure it would help you. I try now to schedule a prayer time. I devote a time each day to pray. And for me, I just get up earlier and I just spend some time in prayer. I read my Bible and I pray. And it just helps me be in a constant state of praying. You say, well, what what has this got to do with with Acts? Well, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it says there, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and we talked about that last week, and to fellowship and sharing in meals. We talked about that two weeks ago. And it says, all believers devoted themselves to prayer. But it didn't stop there. In verse 43, it says, a deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. You know, Acts chapter 1 was all about a prayer meeting. That happened. Believers got together, and they started to pray. Acts chapter 2 is all about the results of that prayer meeting. Like some crazy stuff happened, and God just came in the midst of these people. 
And then Acts chapter 3 through to Acts chapter 28 is all about how the church moves, how the church works, and how the church sees the power of God in action to change lives. And I believe that this was often a result of when the believers gather together to pray. You notice that in, in Acts chapter 2 verse 43 it says, A deep sense of awe came over all the believers. The people were in awe. That They were seeing things that were just blowing their minds. You know that these people, they saw people who just had major sicknesses, major ailments, and they were healed. They saw people who were dead, dead, I mean cold, dead, come back to life. They saw prison doors that were bolted shut, open just by themselves. They saw magicians and fortune tellers who were making a ton of money out of people be put out of business because people were more impressed with what the apostles were doing than what the fortune tellers and the magicians were doing. I mean, when was the last time that you did something more impressive than David Copperfield? I mean, come on, let's be honest. But these guys, they were. They saw dreams. They saw visions. They heard from God. There's even one story of one guy, and we'll talk later on about this guy in a few weeks. He ran faster than a chariot. I mean, he put Usain Bolt to shame. He ran faster than a chariot. These church, they watched how God transformed the hardest of hearts and turned their city upside down. And they went out into the nations and turned the nations upside down for Jesus Christ. And you know what? I don't believe any of these things would have happened unless the believers dedicated their lives to pray. To pray. And I don't know about you this morning, but I won't mind seeing some of this happen. In our lifetime. You know, we're, we're, uh, so some of the leaders, we're reading through a book at the moment. And there was a comment in the book. Uh, it's all about a guy who, uh, who, who basically, their, their church, God just invaded their church. And he said this. He was going through a hard time. He says, I, the biggest fear that I had in my life was that I just wouldn't see God move in my life. And I, I read that because I've had that fear all my life. My fear is that I will not see God do what God can do. And my prayer is that one day, I pray very soon, that we will start to see some of these things that happen in the book of Acts happen in our everyday life. So when, when, when you go to work on Monday morning and somebody's in there and they've got some sickness or their family member's sick, you know, you just pray or you lay hands on them and, they're, and, they're, and they are healed. I mean, that would just be incredible. And this is what happened with these believers. And I believe it's because they devoted themselves to prayer. So the question I have for you today, what did they pray about? I mean, they prayed, but what did they pray about? Some of you may think, well, these believers, they must have prayed about everything and been in prayer all the time. Well, actually, when you read through the book of Acts, there was quite a few things that these believers didn't pray about. Actually, there was more things that they didn't pray about than what they actually did pray about. But firstly, I want to share with you what they did pray about. The first thing that this early church prayed for is this. They prayed for courage. They prayed for courage. In Acts chapter 4 
and verse 23 to 31. It says, Peter and John had basically been preaching and telling people about the word of God, and they got arrested. And in Acts 4 and then verse 5, it says, The next day, the council of all the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the religious law met in Jerusalem. So this was like a court of law. And Annas, the, uh, the high priest, was there among uh, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought the two disciples, that was Peter and John, and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, we are being questioned today because we deed for a crippled man. Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. The man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says there is salvation in no one else. So Peter and John, they had been arrested because they had been performing some of these miraculous signs and wonders. And so people are being questioned. Well, while this is going on, look what happens in Acts chapter 4 and verse 23. It says there, as soon as they were freed, so they got freed, Peter and John, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and the elders had said. They heard the report of all the believers, and then they lifted their voices together in prayer to God. This is what they prayed. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth and sea and everything in them, You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were your nations so angry? Why did they waste their time uh, with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against the Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel, all who were united against Jesus, your holy servant who you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing, may miraculous signs and wonders be done in the name of your holy servants, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Let's be honest, these believers were scared. The leaders had been arrested, they'd been threatened, and they were told, you cannot go out into the city and declare the word of God. You cannot give this message of Jesus. If you do, we will arrest you and we will kill you. They were scared. And the kind of authorities that were warning them weren't our kind of authorities were like, well, we'll put you on probation. They were like, 
Queen Mary, off with your heads kind of authorities. I mean, literally, they were scared for their lives. And if there is one thing in life that will paralyze a person, it is fear. And when a church becomes fearful, it becomes very quiet and it's almost like eerie, like what is going on? You know, fear is really part of life. Fear is something that is real. And I don't know what you're going through in your life, but you may be fearful right now in your life of things that are going on. However, the Bible is full of commands. It's full of scriptures about God telling us not to fear. This is one of them. In Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6, it says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go before you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. You know, if you are in a fearful situation today, no matter what it may be, God is there right beside you. And God tells us, do not fear. For I am with you. Do not fear. For I am with you. And so if God is with us, And if God is with us, we shouldn't fear. And it's through prayer that we get close to God. Then the way that we get rid of fear is through prayer. It's through prayer. It's through spending time with God and getting close to God. It's through prayer. You notice how these believers, when they prayed, how they prayed? They didn't pray with their knees, like knocking together, like, God, help us, help us. They quoted scripture. They got a promise that God had promised. And they told God his promise. They read God's promise back to God and they said, God, you've promised us this. Now take care of us. Give us boldness so that we can speak your word and do what you told us to do. They didn't come with just a shopping list and ask. It's almost like they commanded God and said, God, Fulfill your promise in our life. I believe as they were praying, they were probably thinking of Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6. Be strong and courageous. And when you pray, let me encourage you to do this one thing. That's why I always say, read your Bible when you pray. Pray through scriptures. Because in scriptures, there's a whole lot of promises from God. And when you pray, tell God those promises. Because they are promises from God for you. And when you pray, use those promises, use those scriptures, and then believe. And I promise you, the results are amazing. Look what happened in in Acts chapter 4. These people prayed together, and the meeting place where they were, it started to shake. I mean, imagine if we started praying this morning, and this movie theater started to shake. I mean, we're probably freaking out because it's so old, it'll probably come down. But... I mean, could you imagine just the awe that was over these people? And then not only did it start to shake, but the Bible says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. The very thing that they had prayed for, they were given. They saw an answer to prayer. And no matter what you're going through today, If you're in a place where you're fearful, pray for boldness. Pray for courage. 
Because I believe God will give you that courage. He will give you that boldness. They didn't just pray for courage as well. But they also prayed through major decisions that was going on in their lives. In in Acts chapter 1, we see a situation. Uh, You all remember Judas Iscariot. He was the guy who betrayed Jesus. Then he took his own life. Well, there was four uh, disciples, and now they were down to 11. So the disciples decided, we want to make it back to 12, like Jesus intended 12 disciples. So they got together, and they were electing another disciple. And there there was a choice between two of them. And this is what happened in Acts chapter 1 and verse 23. It says, so they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbath, also known as Justice, and Matthias. They all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which one of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in the ministry. He deserted us and has gone where he belongs. And they cast lots and Matthias was selected to become an apostle, the other eleven. It was a huge decision that they were making. And they decided to give it over to God. And then in Acts chapter 6 and verse 2 to 4, there was another decision or a, a, a situation that was arising. And it says, so the twelve called the meeting, that was the, the disciples, they called the meeting of all the believers, and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And we'll talk in a, in, in a few weeks about this food program. And it says, so the brothers selects, selected seven men who were well respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. In prayer and teaching the word. These apostles realized the importance of prayer. Whenever there was a major decision to make, they prayed. You know, my wife Raquel always says this one thing. She says, God gave you a brain for a reason. It's often often pointed at me when I'm doing something stupid. But God gave you a brain for a reason. You know, I've, I've discovered that not everything in your life needs to be prayed through. God has given us wisdom. God has given us understanding. Yet there are certain decisions in life that can only come through prayer. And for this early church, when they were electing positions of leadership, they were looking for direction. When the church moved or the church expanded, they prayed. Because they were looking for guidance and direction. When there was questions of theology, what was right theology, what was incorrect, what was right to teach, what was not right to teach, they prayed. Because they were looking for guidance and direction. And you know, when people are going through a decision-making process, often I'll have a conversation with them and they'll say, pray for me, I don't know what decision to make, or I don't know what to do. And I'll always try to refer them to one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It's found in James chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. And this is what it says, James chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. Didn't say he may, he may give it to you. He will give you wisdom. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God 
alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of a sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. I always tell people, go and pray for wisdom. Go and pray for wisdom. Notice these apostles, when they're selecting the disciple, they didn't say, God, show us which one, or reveal which one. He prayed, God, help us choose the right one. Help us make a right decision. And if you're going through decisions in your life, and you have to make decisions in your life, and maybe you've got some big decisions to make, instead of just coming on to God and saying, God, just sort it out, how about praying, God, give me wisdom in this situation. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, if you pray for wisdom, our generous God will give it to you. I've used this illustration before, but, but I'll use it again. If you've got a child, for those of you who've got a child, and your child comes up to you, and your child is thirsty, and says, Mommy, Daddy, can I have some water? There's not a parent in this world, unless they're really bad, would not give their child water. Or if you're on a long trip as well. I mean, you may not want to give the child water. But you're going to give that child water because that child is thirsty and water is good for them. You're going to give it them every time. If that child comes to you and says, Mommy, Daddy, I'm thirsty. I want some soda. Sometimes you're going to give them the soda as a treat. Most of the time, you're going to say, No, honey, you're not uh, going to have the soda. The difference, both may quench the thirst. One's good for you, one's not so good for you. And I honestly believe when you start to pray for wisdom, it's like coming to God and asking for water. God will always give you wisdom. Sometimes when you come to God and you ask for this and that, sometimes it's more like soda. And God sometimes may give it as a treat, but it's not always good for you. So if you're going through a decision-making process in your life right now, or maybe in the future, first thing to do, pray for wisdom. And God will always give you wisdom. The last thing that they prayed for. If you go through the book of Acts, you see that these people prayed for each other. They prayed for each other. There's a few scriptures I want to go through real quick. Acts chapter 12 and verse 5. Acts 12 verse 5. It says that, it says, while Peter was in prison, he'd been put back in prison again. While Peter was in prison, the church prayed earnestly for him. The church prayed for him. And then in Acts chapter 12 and verse 12, Peter is still in prison. And it says, when they realized, well, yeah, he was still in prison, and then an angel came, and he got out of prison. It was an amazing story. But it says, when they realized this, Peter went home, went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many believers were gathered together in prayer for Peter. They were praying for Peter. Acts chapter 13 and verse 3, it says, basically Paul and, uh, and a guy called Barnabas, we're going to be commissioned and sent out to, to, to preach the word of God. And it says, so after more fasting and prayer, the men laid hands on Paul and Barnabas and sent them on their way. 
They prayed for other people. Acts 14, verse 23, says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in every church. Then with prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. They prayed and fasted for these elders. And then the last one, uh, Acts chapter 20, verses 35 to 37. Once again, Paul says, says this. I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt and he prayed with the other believers. They all cried and embraced and kissed him goodbye. Every time you see that somebody is either being commissioned to go into ministry to preach the word of God, or somebody is in need, the believers got together and they prayed for that person. Often what they would do if that person was around, they would come and lay hands on that person and they would pray for that person. You know, these believers were so concerned with their brother and sister, not, their, not just their brother and sister from their earth mother, but from another mother. They were so concerned that they fasted and prayed for each other. Let me ask you today. When was the last time you dedicated time to pray for someone else's needs? Two weeks ago, we talked about just the community and how the disciples and the early church, they fasted and prayed for each other's needs. Have you ever done that? Fasted and prayed for someone else's needs? Early church did. These believers were constantly in a state of awe, and I believe it was because they prayed constantly with each other. I believe, I honestly believe, when we pray more for the needs of others than our own needs, we will be overwhelmed with how our needs are met. I challenge you this week. Spend more time praying for other people than praying that God will supply your needs. And I believe if you take up that challenge, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, those results will be amazing in your life. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Something that says about somebody when they spend more time praying for others than they pray for themselves. You know, as I read the book of Acts, I find it amazing that there's some things that we never really hear of the church praying for. I'm sure they did, but it wasn't recorded. You know, we never hear in the book of Acts of them praying for somebody to be healed. But yet there was healings everywhere, incredible healings. You know, we never hear them praying that God will supply their needs. But yet their needs were met every day. 
In fact, I find it unusual that we never hear of the believers coming together and praying that somebody would save their families or save their friends, that somebody would find faith in Jesus. But yet, it does tell us that every day somebody was finding faith in Jesus and there was households that were being saved. I wonder why that is. I got a theory. I think it's maybe because these believers were so full of God. After spending time with God, that they walked in power. And when somebody was sick, they would lay hands on that person, and that person would be healed. They would go, and they believed in God so much, and the promises of God, they didn't even pray that God would supply their needs, because they knew that God would do it, because they were walking with God. I think they honestly believed that when they declared the word of God or shared the gospel or the story of Jesus Christ, that, 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 that gospel was so powerful that someone who didn't believe in Jesus would turn to Jesus. They believed in the power of the gospel. And you know, sometimes I feel that I pray for the wrong things. Sometimes I feel that we pray for the wrong things. I think sometimes it shows our faith in God by the things that we pray to God about. I remember there was a time in my life where we were kind of lacking. And we had a lot of needs. And those needs weren't being met. And I remember every day I would get before God. I'd say, God, help supply my needs. Help supply my needs. Help supply my needs. And I'd pray this prayer every single day. And I came to the point after about six months, I realized, wow, my prayers are showing my lack of faith in God. Because I'm asking God every day that God will supply my needs. But if I really believe that God will supply my needs, I know that God has already taken care of it. And I think sometimes we're constantly praying for something all the time. And we're coming to God all the time. I wonder if it shows our lack of faith in God. I don't know. Maybe for you it doesn't. Maybe you just, because the Bible talks about constantly praying. And bringing requests before God. But I know in my life there's been times where my prayer requests have shown my faith in God. And sometimes that faith has been lacking. I wonder if I'm constantly praying for my needs instead of the needs of others, if I'm really an asset to the church of Jesus Christ, or am I just a consumer? If I'm always praying for a sign from God, I wonder if I will miss signs. You know, prayer has to be the focal point of your life. It has to be the focal point of this church. You have to value prayer. If you don't value prayer, then this Christian faith will just be so hard. You'll be walking. It'll be like treading through, through, through mud all the time without prayer. Prayer has to be a value. And when you pray, believe. And when you believe, watch what God will do. You know, I believe a church that doesn't pray. It's a church that just doesn't go anywhere. 
An individual that doesn't praise. An individual who will never experience the fullness that God has for them. But a church that prays like this early church is a church that has a sense of awe about them. It's a church that sees the miraculous like this church did. It's a church that reaches people that nobody thought could be reached. It's a church that will impact the generation for a long, long time. And I challenge you today as a church, pray. Pray together. Pray for each other. Courage. And then ask the Lord for wisdom. Watch what God will do. For them, they had a sense of awe. They couldn't believe what God was doing. And I believe we will experience the same if we just gather together to pray.